Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. to Chase Windebank. He is my brother-in-law. So Chase, the middle school, I'm married to the older brother. I get the opportunity of being here with you tonight. I oversee elementary, so I get to teach to elementary students, have a blast with those kiddos. And your pastor tonight asked if I could come and teach to you all. And I was like, of course. Um, reason why I'm super excited to be here is I love studying God's word. And tonight we're gonna be in chap, uh, Acts chapter 19, studying God's word. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 19. We're gonna begin in prayer and then I'm gonna need your help. We're gonna talk through a couple of things that are real and we see versus real and we don't see. So close your eyes, bow your heads and let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are teacher. God, we are so thankful that you were present in this place. God, thank you that you were the one who is teaching us. I ask that my words um, be not anything from me, but a reflection of who you are. Help us to learn more about who you are, God, today. In your sons and we pray, amen. Okay, so our God statement before we continue is Jesus is Lord. We're gonna be looking in Acts chapter 19 and how God reveals himself to be Lord in that way. But before we begin, I wanna get your brains turning and because we have this question is, what are things that are real and we see versus real and we don't see? So think about this. I have some thoughts. And number one is things that is, we can smell, we can taste, we can see, we can feel. My favorite food is pizza. I know, I love pizza. So when I hold a piece of pizza, I can taste it. I can smell it right when I walk in the door and I love pizza. Now, something that I wanted to tell you, but you can't use it against your pastor. Pastor Tim loves candles. Loves them. I'm just kidding. He actually hates candles so much that when you have it lit in your office, you have to be very careful because if not, he'll start gagging. You can't use it against him, but that is something that is real because we smell it. We also can see it. There's other things out there. Obviously, we could come up with a massive list because obviously in this room, but I have a question for you though. Get your minds thinking, what are things that are real and we do not see? So think about this. What are things that are real and we do not see? So when I was thinking through this, number one, I'm breathing, therefore I know oxygen exists. Do I see the oxygen coming out of my mouth? No, but I know it exists. Or um, yeah, carbon dioxide or whatever it's called. I'm not a scientist, not carbon dioxide. What is it called? That keeps the plants alive. Oh, it is, okay, okay, okay. Next one. So we know that exists because we're alive. Okay, friends, what's another one you can think of? You can shout it out loud. I got a list, but. Holy Spirit, hydrogen. Bream, what'd you say? Oh, love. Wind, oh, wind was one I thought of. Who loves like coming and seeing fall leaves? Me. I'm gonna go this weekend. And then what do we see? We see the trees blowing, the wind blowing, the trees and the leaves going everywhere. So question, do we see the wind or do we see the result of the wind? Result of the wind. What's another one? Gravity. Because if not, we'd all be floating around in this room. We'd have to be strapped into our chairs. So gravity is something that exists, but we do not see. 
So today, when we're looking at scripture, we're gonna be talking about how there's things in this world that exist and we see, and there's things actually in this world that exist and we do not see. Even God works that way. God works in ways that we see and we do not see. But we're gonna be talking about specifically too is how there's this enemy who is working. And I'm not naive to this question. You guys know this. He's working in ways we see and working ways we don't see. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So hopefully you've had time to open up your Bibles to Acts. We're in the New Testament, Acts chapter 19, verse one. If I was with elementary, I'd be saying, hello friends, Acts is found in the New Testament and 19 is the big number in your Bible. And verse one is a little tiny thing and you can barely see it. So if you're in elementary, that's what I would say to you. But you all are high schoolers. You know how to find scripture in the Bible. So we're gonna be in Acts chapter 19. Now, I know this is the last week of the series. So Acts is not a new book to you. But before we jump into Acts 19, I wanna do a little bit of historical context so we are all on the same page going into this chapter. Does that sound good? Perfect, we'll be quick. Acts is a book written about the early church. So all throughout Acts, we're seeing the ways that the Holy Spirit is working through people for his word to spread the good news of Jesus. Now there's a man named Paul, and I know if you talked about Paul, Paul has done three missionary journeys. Number one, we see earlier in Acts. Number two, and then number three is where we're gonna be landing today. Now in this chapter, Paul is going into Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. Ephesus, but this isn't his first time into Ephesus. Acts chapter 18 tells us that Paul actually visited Ephesus just really, really quickly. And then he said, hey, I gotta go, but I'll be back. So this is Paul's second time into Ephesus. And he even writes a letter, which we all know is the book of Ephesians. So he even writes a book to them. So let's open up our Bibles, Acts chapter 19. What we're gonna be doing today, instead of doing a scripture reading, we're gonna be diving into scripture together. We'll take a pause and we'll keep going because we're gonna go through the whole book. But I promise it won't take long. It's gonna be good. Okay, so Acts chapter 19, we are reading um, Acts chapter 19, verse one. When Apollos was at Corinthians, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived in Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. Ephesus, there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul responded, "Um, then what baptism did you receive? And they replied, John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one to come after him and his name was Jesus. Now on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you have your Bibles, underline the name Lord, because that's again, our God said Jesus is Lord. Lord Jesus, when Paul placed the hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues and prophesize. There were about 12 men in all. But we're gonna continue for two more verses. Paul entered the synagogue. Real quick, the synagogue is the Jewish church. It's kind of like that. And Paul would always go into the synagogues first because the Jews had an understanding of who Jesus was because they also studied what we would call the Old Testament. Back to scripture. Okay, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became, I would just say icky they decided that they didn't wanna follow God. So they became mad and they even publicly displayed how they were mad. So Paul actually left and he took the disciples with him and they discussed daily in the lectures. This went on for two years. Side note, ministry takes a long time and it's not just like a one-time happening. It happens a long time. 
And from there, all the Jews and Greeks lived in the province of Asia and heard the word of the Lord. This gets to our first point. Number one, in Acts chapter 19, we learn that Jesus' message is heard. We see scripture though, there's two routes. Jesus' message is heard and disciples are made. And number two, Jesus' message is heard and people turn away from God and even kind of get a little icky is the way I would say it. They get mad at Paul. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I'm gonna just let you into this right now. Number two, Jesus' power is revealed. So let's continue in scripture. So are you following along? You doing well? Okay, good. God, not Paul, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Even his handkerchief and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illness was cured and the evil spirits left them. Some of the Jews went around trying to drive out evil spirits. Okay, so we see Jesus's power revealed. Now we're gonna talk about how the Jews recognized his power and what they did with it. So some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits. Another word for an evil spirit is a demon who people were possessed by demons, tried to drive out evil spirits. Now I'm gonna storytell through scripture because it's much easier to do that than reading all the scriptures. And this is what happens. These Jews, there was brothers, they went to a man who was possessed by a demon. And they tried to use the name of Jesus to cast out the demon. And they're saying, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out. But there's something super important that scripture reveals to us. And I wanna read that to you. It's in verse 15. It says, Jesus, I know. This is the demons responding to the Jewish men. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Remember, Jesus' power is revealed, not the Jewish power. The demon here recognizes that it is Jesus he knows. It is Paul he knows through Jesus. And he's asking Jewish people, who are you? You. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna come back to that. The next point is, we see Jesus's power revealed and underneath that now, we're gonna see how the Greeks or the Gentiles responded to that. So when they, meaning the Ephesians, got word of what had happened to these men, they were seized with fear. What the enemy did, because what I didn't tell you is that as they tried to cast out, they asked the question, we know Jesus, we know Paul, who are you? The demon-possessed man actually attacked the brothers and took all of them on and beat them up and they run out fleeing. And now the people of Ephesians are fearful. They're fearful. But here's something that's really cool scripture tells us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, his name was held in high honor. So what do we see? Seized in fear, what's the response? Jesus' name is held in high honor. Not the opposite. Not the demon's name or the enemy's name was held in high honor. Jesus' name. And let's continue. What's the effect of that? The cause and the effect is this. The cause, the enemy tried to put his name above Jesus's. Jesus' name was held in high honor. And now because of that, we read this in scripture. Many of those now believe and they openly confess what they had done. So there's a repentance, there's a confession of what they had done, but it doesn't stop there. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls and burned them publicly. These scrolls represent $6 million now. Burned them, burned them. Why? Because Jesus' name was held in high honor. They recognized, though they were seized with fear, what was their response? To go to the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord. They go to the Lord Jesus. 
Lastly in scripture, we read this. If you go down to verse 23, there was a riot because there was this man named Demetrius. Everybody say Demetrius. Demetrius, there's a man named Demetrius who would create and sell idols for what the Ephesians looked like their gods. So people would go and buy this idol and then they would worship it. But what happened with Paul's message of Jesus being Lord, it shifted. People stopped buying the idols and what happens because of that? Demetrius gets mad. And so he causes a riot. He gets everyone on the same, come on people, let's go against Paul. And there's this big, actually let's go against Jesus, not just Paul. Let's go against him. There's this massive riot and then people have to calm down. And the last point is, is that we see that Jesus' authority is challenged. Number one, scripture points that his message is revealed. Number two, we see that his power is revealed. And lastly, we see that Jesus' authority is challenged. So there's chapter 19, just covered it. Not super long, but we covered it. So the question I have for you then is what is God trying to teach us about Jesus being Lord? What do you, what do we, when we think through this, let's think. Jesus being Lord. Well, number one, scripture tells us that Jesus is Lord over all messages. What happened with Demetrius? Jesus is Lord over that message and false idols. We even see, I'm gonna reread verse 10. Paul is preaching in the synagogues and he goes out of the synagogues just to get you back in context. And it says this for two years, um, this went on. So that all, everybody say all. All, the Jews and the Greeks in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Jesus is Lord over all other messages. Number two, Jesus is Lord all over all powers. Let's take us back to verse 15. What is the demon's response? The demon's response is this. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know because of Jesus. Who are you? The demons know the power that God has. I wanna read this specifically to you because I think this breaks down, um, this sentence breaks down what we see from scripture because there's multiple scriptures about Jesus having authority over um, different demonic forces. And it says, we must remember that Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth found in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18. He has disarmed the powers and authorities, Colossians 15 too. And the demons shudder and shriek because of him. It's James two nineteen. The most powerful and terrifying of demons have nightmares of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Jesus has already won. But we're gonna get there because then the question comes to all of us is like, okay, we recognize this scripture. Paul is, you know, preaching in the synagogues. He's doing his thing. He's, he's being led by the spirit. We recognize that the demons, you know, they're not recognizing Paul. But how does that relate to us? What is God trying to teach us about who Jesus is? And I want to talk about this as our response. Our response can't be one people who are naive, so first off, I don't know where you land on this. I don't know where, what you've been taught. I don't even know your background. And I'm gonna get to a little bit of my background as a high school student, but we can't be naive that the enemy is not out there to kill, steal, and destroy. What does the scripture say? There was people who were possessed. There was people that were caught in evil beings or demons. 
We can't be naive to that. We can't be naive that the enemy will do whatever it takes to destroy the goodness of God. God is good. Everything about him is good. He's perfect in his goodness, actually. The enemy is the opposite. And the enemy doesn't want God to succeed. Side note, we already know he's victorious. We're gonna talk about that too. But, but we have to be, not be naive that the enemy isn't here to kill, steal, and destroy us. Actually, it's pretty interesting. In the Old Testament, so this is pre-Jesus, in um, 2 Kings 6, Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha was a prophet of God. And it was interesting, he was a prophet to Israel, so there was divide in the kingdom. He was the prophet to Israel at the time. And Israel was being attacked because nobody wants God's nation to um, be successful. But, so they were attacking Israel, they were attacking Israel, and they're like, Elisha, what do we do, what do we do? And Elisha just prays to God, and he says, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to what you're doing. And Elisha had a glimpse into the spiritual realm, which is a glimpse we don't always get to get to see, but Elisha did. And you know what Elisha saw? You should go read 2 Kings 6, by the way. It's a pretty good chapter. It's actually really great. But you know what Elisha saw? Elisha saw God had surrounded the Israelite city, Israel, with chariots and heavenly hosts. Elisha was able to see into the spiritual realm where God sent heavenly hosts or his angel armies is another way to say it. God sent his angel armies to protect the nation of Israel, his chosen people. If he would do it for his chosen people, he's still gonna do it today. And he still does. He was able to see a glimpse into the heavenly realms. Now remember earlier how I talked about there's things that we see and we know that they exist are real and there's things that exist but we don't see. The demonic forces, the what enemy is trying to do is steal, kill, and destroy. We don't always get to see that. But I wanna tell you a story of when I was in high school. And before I even begin into this, this is not a glamorous story. It's actually super disheartening. And I've never shared this with anybody public. And I was praying through like, God, do I even share this? Like, is this even worth sharing? But I remember as a high school student feeling like, what in the world just happened? And what I'm trying to communicate, just so you know, right up front, is that it's, it exists. This is our reality we live in, that sometimes we see things and sometimes we don't. But it is not for us to live in fear, but to live in hope of Jesus who we have, who is Lord over all. So I was in high school and luckily I had this great opportunity with my family to go and move down to Haiti every summer. I loved it. And when I was down there, it was like work. I would work and teams would come down for week trips and I would take them out to villages. I loved it. I still love it. My sister lives there and I love it. I can't wait to visit her. Well, it was interesting. I had one week that I had this team and as a high schooler, I don't know why I got to do this. Well, I do because I was a staff kid. I was in charge of a team. So as a high schooler, I was... 17 at the time, I feel a little young doing this. And, and I would take them out by myself with Haitian translators and we'd go into villages and do ministry. So we would paint, we would um, fix roofs. I would just hand things up because I can't actually fix things. We would evangelize. So we would tell the good news of Jesus. We would paint homes. I mean, I already said paint homes. We would do soccer camps, stuff like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved doing ministry in that way. 
super hands-on. Well, one time we were in this, uh, the village of Levesque and I was with one of my Haitian friends and she was also one of my translators, her name was Nashley. And we're just talking, the team's doing their thing, playing soccer, it was a soccer day and just enjoying ourselves. We're having a great day. It's super hot, I remember sweating. And I can remember all these details because this day stuck out to me and still does. So I'm there and I have another translator come to me. He says, hey Mary, um, I need you to come with me. I'm like, great, all right, we'll go with you. So Nashleen and I, we go and we're walking and we're talking and you know, we're walking through the village, we're having a good time. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I bet a family needs help you know, um, getting some food or I wonder if they need help with like um, going to the doctor or school. They want to be involved in education because those are holistic transformation things that we're a part of. And so I was walking there, not even like naive. That's just normal things we worked with. Remember, I'm a high schooler at this point. So I walk up to the home and I see the home. It's on my, if I'm walking this way, it's a little bit over here. And as we're, Nashley and I are having a great conversation, just talking about life. And as I get closer, I sense this thing. And that's the best adjective I could say. I sense it. I'm like, ooh, what is that? I look at her and she's like, looks at me and we're like, what is that? So we walk a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And I walk up to, there's a family on their porch and there's some people crying. They're talking in Creole. I'm picking up enough to be like, this is not a good situation, whatever it is. So I walk up a little bit closer and that, thing that I felt, now I could put words to, is darkness. It's darkness. And I'm, I'm walking up, I'm like, what in the world am I getting myself into? I look at Nashley and I'm like, what are we getting ourselves into? She's the same age as I am. So we're both in high school. She's in um, Haitian school. So we're a little bit closer. And then in Creole, I'm learning, Creole is the language, I'm learning that the woman on the porch who looks very ill is possessed by a demon. And I'm recognizing in this moment, all I wanted to do was run that way. And I look at Nashleen and I'm like, what? And then they go, my, my, or Mary, Mary, they call me my, Mary, 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 Mary. You pray, you pray and cast out the demon. And I said, no, I can't do that. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a high school girl. Females are not looked upon great there. And they're like, Mary, you. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm young in my faith. I don't, like this stuff, I'm just learning it exists in real life. Like I'm seeing it. And what I'm seeing is this is why it is a terrible story. This woman was scratched everywhere, scratched. She was shaking and convulging. She only would speak um, gibberish. Nobody can understand her. She's not speaking Creole. She's not speaking English. She's speaking gibberish because the demon had overtaken her. And in that moment, I thank the Lord still every day for this. My dad, because remember we went down with the family, my dad was on that random after lunch activity soccer. And I'm like, my dad, I'll go get my dad. And they're like, I know now. I said, no, this can wait. I'm, I'm like, I can't do this. So I go get my dad. Like, dad, there's this situation. And I'm gonna be honest, I have no clue what I'm doing. And, and I don't really want to be in this situation. I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel nervous. I feel terrible about this woman. Like I'm like wanting to cry, but not even knowing the emotions that I'm feeling and because I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. Remember, things that are real and you see, things that are real you don't see, but sometimes you get a glimpse into things you don't see. So I get my dad over and my dad is great. I love him. 
And he just starts praying in English. And it was so interesting. This woman couldn't understand English, I learned later. Um, but something that did happen, do you remember earlier how I told you in the scriptures that it says a demon will, will shriek and shudder at the name of Jesus? Well, as my dad is praying, he's praying, Lord, save this woman. Jesus, have your name be glorified. And anytime, and I promise you, anytime the name of Jesus was said, she would shake and convulge even more. She was, the demon inside of her couldn't take that Jesus is Lord over our lives. Her body would shake. And I remember walking away from that situation being like, this really exists. There is an enemy out to kill, steal, and destroy God's people. These beautiful people that God has created. Now, are we naive to say, oh no, Mary, that just happens over here in Haiti. Or do we need to be realistic and say, no, the enemy works in ways we don't always see and it happens all around us. We need to recognize that. Jesus, though, this is the good news. This is the where we need to land. Jesus is Lord over all. No matter what, Jesus has already won. And this is why. When I walk into these situations, because there was other ones in Haiti, I walk into them. Did I come in with fear or did I come in with hope? I came in with hope because I am covered by the lamb of God, the blood of Jesus. Friends, we no longer have to live in fear of the forces of the enemy because we are covered in the lamb of God. Just so you know, Paul writes in Ephesians 6 that we are covered in the, body, or the armor of God. So when we walk into situations like that, we are safe, we are secure. We don't have to be fearful of the enemy because Jesus is Lord. We don't have to be fearful for our friends when knowing that they know Christ because they are covered in the lamb of God, the blood of God. They're covered. Does that mean, though, that we're naive and say, but I'm walking in? No, the Holy Spirit convicts us and gives us wisdom how to handle situations. But we don't have to live in fear. We are covered by God. So number one, how do we respond? We're not naive to the fact that the enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy. Number two, we walk in confidence because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Fun fact, we already know. Friends, Jesus is victorious. Jesus died on the cross. He rose three days later. And we no longer have to be fearful of the enemy because Jesus already won. That's how Jesus is Lord. He sits on his throne. Yeah, that is good news. He sits on his throne. He's victorious. That's how we know Jesus is Lord. So friends, here's what I wanna do though. Band, you can come on up. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus is Lord. But what do we do with that? What do we do in our daily lives? How do we respond? Okay, so for me, if I'm in a situation and I'm seeing a woman, okay, I know I need to go to Jesus who is Lord. When I walk away from the situation, the only thing that gives me comfort is that Jesus is Lord. He's already victorious. So in our lives, we need to ask a question. We need to think through what are the things in our life that the enemy is trying to twist or manipulate or lie to us to make us think that Jesus hasn't already won? We need to know. It may not look what it looked like in Haiti, but here in the States, it may look like lies that the enemy tells you. It may look like maybe mental depression or, or things that you struggle with or lies that your friends don't like you or that your parents don't love you or things that are lies. 
Maybe it's, it's actual physical things. Maybe it's, it's that, but here's what we need to recognize. We need to take those things. We need to get down on our knees and we need to say, God, you are Lord. Jesus, you already won. And I'm gonna walk in confidence. I'm gonna pray it. I'm gonna pray to you because you have already won. Scripture tells us that. And scripture tells us that Jesus has all the authority. So no matter what the enemy tries to do, Jesus has already won. Jesus is Lord. So I want you to think about your own lives. What what are things that the enemy is lying to you about? Remember, he is trying to kill you, steal, and destroy. But sometimes death comes slow. Sometimes it's like cancer. It just slowly kills you. And the enemy is trying just to slowly kill you, break you down a little bit more, break you down a little bit more to the point where he thinks he has you broken. But we don't serve a God who loses. We serve a God who wins. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about your own life and think about the things that the enemy is trying to beat you down with, the lies that he tells you and he wants you to believe. And you know why he does that? He does that because you are a child of God. And he does not want his children, God's children to be successful. He does not want his children, God's children to go to God in these moments. So I want you to think about your life and I want you to take it to Jesus who is Lord. But I don't want us to stop there because that's, that's something that God can do with us. I want you to think about the people in your lives because you guys all are in relationship with people. What are the stories people are carrying? Because the enemy tries to attack those people too. What about the stories that you hear of what's happening in our world? Because the enemy is trying to kill those people too. So what I want us to do now is I want us to take a few minutes by ourselves. I want us to think and pray and, and submit those things to our Jesus who is Lord, who already has won. But I don't want us to stop there. I want us to continue in this and I want us to pray for others. And I want us to take those things to the Lord, not just pray for ourselves, but take it for our friends, for our parents, for our siblings. And then I want us to take it a step further because an act says that we need to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. All the ends of the earth means our entire world. Jerusalem and Judea could be different states, different nations, but let's pray for also the world. So let's do the three-step prayer. Take some time. They're gonna then sing a worship song. So continue to worship how Jesus is Lord. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.